I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This character has done more to grow the game than anyone. Great, he's done more to grow the game of hockey than Blasto. Another week, another opportunity to dunk on Tony D'Angelo. Welcome to the Smell Nick and Life. I'm Poppy. And I'm Vieta. And this is the podcast that nobody asked for, but everybody needs. As always, before beginning this episode, we would like to acknowledge that this podcast is written and recorded on unceded and unsurrendered Mi'kmaq territory. To support your local Indigenous community, please consider donating to organizations who are providing essential care. Examples, if you are living in Ottawa, are the Ottawa Native Friendship Centre, Wabano, and Minwashan Lodge. Okay, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> so as it turns out, um, recording an episode every two weeks during... This condensed NHL season and the NWHL bubble, you know, <laughs> it's not the best idea, but it's all we can commit to. So we're going to try to talk about everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys already know you don't really need <laughs> our input on everything, but... <sighs> So, you know, <laughs> okay, we're going to so- we're going to talk about NHL hockey for the first half of this and then we're going to have the mascot minute and then we're going to go into everything that's happening with the NWHL right now, <laughs> which is a whole podcast on its own. Um so yeah. if you are if you are only here for that portion, you can skip there, but I think you'll enjoy the Sens content. Will you though? Will you? I mean, okay. So first of all, Leafs of poo. oh wait wait, we forgot forgot. poppy what are are you drinking oh my god okay i'm drinking a lime tea oh i'm drinking a nine locks cream ale it's on a dark that sounds really good yeah it is it's one of my favorites i think the last time i had a beer was like two months ago (laughs) damn that's impressive okay um anyways (laughs) so the nhl season started um we were feeling pretty good after that leaf series weren't we that was pretty fun um i don't like i don't even care what happens to the sense after this um (laughs) watching the leafs lose was everything i ever wanted it was like i yeah again like i don't care what happens but the fact that we beat the leaps on opening night like that was amazing it was a great night on twitter.com i had fun but the thing is it was kind of funny because like going out of that leaf series we were all kind of like you know what the sends did kind of look like shit but like the leaps aren't that good and you know the sends like we have some good forwards we might be able to like make the playoffs potentially and then, mm. <laughs> and then 
Jen that, that, that was stupid. It was like <laughs> that was stupid I mean, talk. Okay, honestly, after those first two Leafs games, I was like, it's a long shot, but like it could happen because the Canadian division is bad. I was like, all these teams are bad. We could beat any of them. Like this might happen. Um, and then of course we could not. <laughs> we could not beat any of them. That is so untrue. <laughs> Look, I was feeling good about this. <laughs> it was well, really funny. Anyways, it's really funny that the Leafs lost to us now. <laughs> I, like, I oh. said that on opening night. I was like, that's the great thing about being a bad team. It's like, when somebody loses to you, it's really fucking funny. And the Leafs lost to us, and it was really funny. And it's it gets funnier with every game that we lose. <laughs> I think it gets especially funny because... I believe last episode we talked about how everybody was like, oh, Canadian division, like the best is the Leafs and the worst mm-hmm. is the Sens. And then the terrible Sens. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't need to do the meme voice. Uh, the terrible Sens beat the Leafs so badly. And then the, we played the Jets, and it was like, ooh. Well, the and then is, we played Canucks, and <laughs> Jets series. You know, we go out of that Leaf series like, you know, this is really fun. We're having a good time. We're we're enjoying this. Sens might not be as bad as people think they are, even if we are pretty bad. Like especially that second game, it was like, okay, so we're we're kind of bad, but like <laughs> it's still fun. Um, and then the Jets series was like, you know, Sens might actually be bad. But the reason they were bad was because of, you know, bad lineup decisions, Stuchler being out with an injury, and it was sort of like, okay, we could turn this around. You know, Jets looked pretty good too, right? And then the Canucks, you're <laughs> like, we're going into this facing like the 28th place team. We were apart by like one point in the standings. Like, you know, this is an easy win. <laughs> if, if we could be, you know, it, it seemed reasonable. Like if we can just destroy the Canucks, we're right back on top. <laughs> and, no. I would say the best thing about the Canucks games is that it's so late for me that, like, I cannot watch the games. Like, I wake up in the morning and the Sens are still playing. So, <laughs> I was staying I, I up until, like, take part 2 a.m. Like, I don't know. This is the thing. Like, I again, I tweeted this. Like, it's because of online learning. Like, I have nothing to wake up for. Like, I have mm-hmm. I have no reason to not just stay up until 2 a.m. watching a hockey game. And apparently, I'm, like, this obsessed with this team that, like, I will stay up until 2 a.m. to watch them lose 7-1. <laughs> yeah, I think... It's, like, risky. I mean, I'm not working, so it's always like, well, you know, they are playing at, like, 1am my time, but I could watch the first period. And it's it's never just one period. Yeah, and it's almost easier to just, like, go to sleep and then wake up for the third period. Yeah, it's really cursed. It made me laugh when you were like, oh, you guys complaining (laughs) about having to watch you know, West Coast games, this is what Poppy's life is like. Exactly, guys. It's Check true. Your privilege. Sorry, if you're in Canada and you're complaining about those, like, West Coast games, if you're on, like, you know, in Eastern time, like, this is what it's like for Poppy. Yeah. This is what my life is like right now. It's really depressing. Exactly. My only joy in life is when the six play, like, in the middle of the day. <laughs> because then i get to watch it normal times later 
Actually, we have an afternoon right, so, game on Saturday, though. Oh, I'm so excited. Habs. Should be fun. <laughs> um, anyways, our, okay, so- our boy, our husband, Colin White, has spent a significant portion of the season in the press box so far. And once he left the press box, <gasps> he looked great. So how can he have a career season if you don't let him out of the press box? I would like to point out that last week I made a really painful decision. And for the first time in my entire life playing fantasy hockey, I got rid of Derek Brassard, <laughs> even though he was doing okay. He got me some points. I got rid of Derek Brassard so that I could afford to acquire Colin White. And suddenly he's out for the press box. The manifestation works. <laughs> <laughs> you did this. I single-handedly saved his career. <laughs> anyway. Oh, also, happy birthday, Colin White. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, Justice he for just Colin turned, White. He just had like 23. Yeah. Oh, 24. He turned 24. Getting close to 25, man. That's what he's all watched. <laughs> <laughs> he's got one now that I'm turning 26, <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Why did I ever say this? Um, another important thing is Josh Norris can I English in Deutsch? Josh Norris does not speak least in German. I, I am loving these two Schutzler interviews. And there was an interview with Sportsnet where they asked him about, like, you know, you know how in the last episode we were talking about how cool it is that, you know, Tim Stutzler gets to speak German with Josh Norris, right? And it's so cool. Drake Batherson speaks mm. German too. Um, he was asked about that and he was like, it's really funny that people are saying that Josh Norris can speak German because he can't. I think it's cute. <laughs> That he was like, oh, he's like really trying. He really wants to get back into it. You know, he's like asking me to speak German with him. But clearly, <laughs> the boys do not speak fluent German. It was also, I, I pointed out that um, on, like, Stutzler had an Instagram post, I think about his first goal or his first game. And of course, all the boys were like, commenting on it. And both Kachuk and uh, Norris made grammatical errors in their like in their German when they were commenting on it which I thought was funny but they're trying it's really cute he's teaching them German also you saw that I didn't see that you were like (laughs) LLL Brady spelled Deutschland wrong or something and I was like he spelled it Deutschland I think (laughs) yeah I did not you're supposed to capitalize your nouns in German and they didn't do that yeah but you know what I don't always do that if I'm texting my friends so that's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so I I I love that we get to dunk on Tony D again. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo is the gift that keeps on giving. Like I mm. obviously, you know, I hate that there that this type of person is allowed to exist in the NHL. It is awful. It is inexcusable that he has been allowed to be on the Rangers for four years. That they have excused this behavior. That it took what just happened for him to finally leave. Um, That said, if we have to have one player who's like an outspoken, like MAGA chud who's on parlor and stuff, I really love that it's a guy like Tony D'Angelo who does it in such a funny way where he is (laughs) 
so <laughs> unself-aware when he's on social media. He challenges fans to fights. He, <laughs> like, <laughs> complains about how people are discriminating against him because he's Italian-American. Oh, my <laughs> like, he just makes a fool of himself. And on top of all of that, is also really bad at defense. <laughs> Okay, he's allowed so we can laugh at him, right? Like he's not—he's not winning at anything right now. <laughs> he is the twenty-five-year-old who's past his prime. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Tony D'Angelo was ever at his prime. Like, there's such a rich history of Tony D'Angelo using slurs and being a jerk, mm-hmm. even before he started playing for the NHL like he's just terrible Mm -hmm. but it's funnier now because he's also just playing really badly (laughs) so um the full update over the last two weeks we've had a great time with Tony D'Angelo um first some people noticed that there was a suspicious Twitter account that like kind of it was really obsessive about like defending tony d and we still don't know what the story is if it's like actually a fan or if it's tony d'angelo's burner account or if it's somebody making fun of tony d'angelo by making like a fake burner account i kind of think it's the last one because it's too on too on point like it's it's too good for it mm. to actually be Tony D'Angelo. Um, but there was a good time. Somebody sent him like an IP grabber link and it turns out he was in Pittsburgh, which is where Tony D'Angelo was playing. But also he tweeted like right after a Rangers game. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and he was like, like, well, the fact that sorry. he responded to the, the thing about him being on waivers with like, what? That can't be him. Yeah. It's, but his, his playing along has been really funny. Like, with the grab a link and then um, somebody from Sen's Twitter and I'm sorry, I'm blanking. It was Roman, right? Had done like, oh Had yeah, days? Roman took a screenshot him. and replaced the name with Tony <laughs> D'Angelo. And the guy was like, I could sue you for hacking. It's so funny because like, yeah. Is it him? Probably not. But it's a funny bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It was. And no, th- that tweet where he was like, why is everyone tagging Olive Garden? I've never once tweeted about Olive Garden. Like, that one killed me. And that was over. I was like, no, th- this is a fan making fun of Tony D'Angelo. Like, there is absolutely no way that this is the real thing. Uh, I love it so much. Yeah, but it's just been really funny. And then right now, like, literally before we started recording, we got news that Tony D'Angelo has been put on waivers. <laughs> After, I mean, this is the story, after being punched by a teammate, <laughs> so, which is the funniest thing. This only happened a few hours ago. I'm so glad that this happened right before we recorded because it. I have had a great time on Twitter.com right now. I am in a women's hockey group chat that has been popping off all day. I love this <laughs> so much. The memes have been amazing. The story so far, it sounds like after his last game... There was some kind of disagreement between himself and the goalie, and the goalie got mad at him and picked a fight. And then now what's coming out is that maybe the goalie wasn't the one who punched him. It was, plot twist, Chris Kreider, who I never wanted to like. If you don't remember, this man is the guy who is famous for injuring goalies, defends his own goalie by punching Tony D'Angelo in the face. Again, never wa- I never wanted to like Chris Kreider, but like... Thanks for that, I guess. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> putting aside the fact that, like, it is absolutely disgusting that, it that like, the Rangers apparently draw the line at fighting your own teammate and not at, like, all the racist shit that D- Tony D'Angelo has been doing. Like, that's that blows my mind. I mean, I'm not surprised, but, like, that is absolutely awful. That is such a, like, indictment of, like, hockey culture. Like, I can't... I, I can believe it, but, like, it's so annoying. It's so awful. Putting that aside, I love this. <laughs> the fact that Tony yeah, it's- got punched by a teammate, and also the fact that this goalie, um, I think his name is... I'm, I'm gonna pronounce it incorrectly. Georgiev or something? Georgiev? I don't know. Um, apparently, he's really into, like, like LM. He's, like, he's a good, like, racial justice a- advocate. So, it, it's, it's kind yeah. of... Yeah. I think the unraveling has been really funny because we know that the um, the goalie in question is Georgiev or Georgiev. Mm. Oh, that might be. <laughs> I, I don't know, know man. I I, I should have researched the pronunciation. Georgiev. <laughs> Probably he's Bulgarian. I I don't know how to pronounce that. I he's like Russian Bulgarian, so mm. that's about my one year of Russian class has is giving me this right. pronunciation, but. I sound like an idiot saying it. So um, the goalie in question is like super supportive of BLM. During the playoff run, he had this like special um, Martin Luther King mask made that he then auctioned off and Mm -hmm. gave the money to three different New York-based charities that specifically serve um, Black, Indigenous, people of color in New York. So it's like so funny knowing that basically the anti Tony D'Angelo is involved in Tony D'Angelo's downfall. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it was a great story. I'm excited to find out what happens. Um, as for whether or not Tony D'Angelo is going to be picked up off of waivers, I really hope he isn't. It kind of there was also a story that apparently the Rangers have been shopping him, like they've been trying to um, train him and. I surprisingly I mean it shouldn't be surprising but honestly I am genuinely surprised that no NHL team was interested because I thought that there would be interest despite all the shitty thing he, things he's done no apparently the Rangers are just like especially bad um <laughs> so there haven't been any buyers we'll see if anyone picks them off, off up off waivers there have been some rumors about Ottawa um if by the time this goes up Tony D'Angelo is an Ottawa senator you will have known my thoughts on Twitter.com. <laughs> I don't think it's realistic. I'm, I mean, okay. I love the fan base. Love you guys. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. But I think we have a tendency to every single time a player is put on waivers, especially <laughs> right now, because we're bad. We're like, oh, this is just going to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, the speculation that makes sense but somebody like Ian Mendes, again, I love Ian Mendes, obviously. <laughs> but if he says, like, oh, you know, we could use a defense player and Tony D'Angelo's on the market now, how do you feel about Tony D going to Ottawa? Completely hypothetical. He's not reporting on anything. And the fan base is like, Tony D'Angelo's coming to Ottawa. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I will say. But on the other hand, I think the speculation is fun i think it's part of being a fan to be honest like wildly speculating what could be happening mm-hmm. it's nice to see that a majority of sense fans seem to be very against tony d'angelo coming to ottawa mm-hmm. i will say like i 
from a hockey perspective, this is like, it scares me because I can see it happening because I know that like when it comes to character, the Ottawa Senators have no standards. Like I could see them going for this. And like, to be honest, we are like desperate for more bodies on defense. We desperately need right defense. Um, Tony D'Angelo, like, could potentially like he was a first round pick wasn't he like he's yeah he was he, he is like i and he hasn't been good lately <laughs> i can't even i can't even say the words he's a decent defenseman i don't think he is i don't know that much about tony d'angelo aside from his off ice stuff like i can see that that's the problem is like i can see why the sens would want to pick him up he's also not that old either right so like it, it would fit no he's that's 25 what scares me yeah i mean yeah washed up um <laughs> wrong side of 25 man um yeah yeah but like and obviously I don't want this to happen like I don't I don't care if he is like a Norris winner I don't want that type of personality on my team also from a perspective of like what would be the funniest outcome for like punishing Tony D'Angelo it would be kind of funny if he went to Ottawa um but again I do not want him anywhere near my team yeah I mean I'm sorry let Mulan and play more. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Look, let him play. I mean, he was kind of bad I mean, in the one game he did play, but uh <laughs> Yeah, but um you know, Tony D no longer, on, guys. Like I said this in five thoughts um recently, but like I don't buy this whole thing. And we're going back to the Sens here because I have a I have a, things to say. I don't buy this whole idea that like the way to bring young players into the NHL is to make them fight for roster spots. Um because like I understand how maybe for some players it's like, oh, this is motivation to play well. But honestly, I don't think most young players need that motivation. I think a lot of young players, what they need is time to figure this stuff out. And especially on a team like Ottawa, where they're not expected to be good, where the plan is to just throw all the kids on the ice and see what happens. It makes perfect sense to just throw all your young players on the ice and be like, hey, guys, no matter how you perform, like, you're going to still be on the roster. We're going to make sure that you're playing well. We trust you with this. And after a while, if they're, if they're bad, yeah, you do something about it. But I think, I think it's more, I don't know. It just seems like if I were an NHL player, I would be, I, I would not thrive in an environment where I was like, one mistake is going to get, get me sent down to the minor leagues. Right. Like, I feel like that would just make me super nervous. Make, you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on a guy. And they're going to be afraid to, like, make creative plays and take risks and all that, right? Mm. No, 100%. There's no value, in my opinion, in putting unnecessary stress on your players. Especially in a team like Ottawa, where we're, like, basically aiming to tank anyway. So who cares? Like, let your young players get the experience. Give them some confidence. Mm-hmm. to that the, they're capable you know I think that really reflects as well I think you can always see when we've had like a bunch of bad games the guys get worse yeah exactly and like I don't know yeah it, it just it seems like they they really their confidence goes down so much every time there's a goal against and I really think that like it's worth trying to just be like hey guys your you know your roster spots are safe just like we, we don't care if you make, like, one bad turnover. It's not the end of the world. Just get on there and, like, play good hockey and, like, figure out how to create offense in the NHL. Like, people talk a lot about Curtis Lazar being rushed into the NHL, but if you remember, like, 
he was being played in the bottom six. He was being told to play a specific role. He was not playing with good line mates. And he was, it, it was like they were saying like, oh, you know, you're not trying to create offense. You have to learn how to be a good defensive player. And like, I don't know what would have happened if they had just like, you know, given him a chance to like figure out how to create offense in the NHL. And like, that's what makes sense to me for developing these young players, especially again, in a season where you are not expected to be very good. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's two sides of the coin. You can bring up Curtis Lazar over and over and over again. Sometimes players don't work out as we Mm -hmm. expect them to. You could also say as a counterpoint, Brady Kachuk is like one of the best people on the team. We drafted him, we immediately put him on the roster. And he's done great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, it it changes from player to player as well. And I think, you know, we can speculate what's going to be best for young players and what isn't and like what's motivating and what isn't and that's such a personal thing as well there's no like saying that you know fighting for a spot is good for every single player or being given the confidence that they can play and that they have a spot on the roster Mm -hmm. is good for every young player it's just you know you have to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actually a phrase in english but <laughs> <laughs> no it, it is it is yeah well like, okay good yeah and like here's my my hot take on on nhl coaching um <laughs> from a blogger who has never played the game um my hot take is i think that nhl coaches are way too hung up on like this one size fits all model for every player and i remember like with john tortorella in vancouver um there was a lot of talk about how a lot of players, especially in the bottom six, really thrived with his system. They loved playing under him. They, you know, had a great season with him as the coach. And yet all the like top six players and stuff were really struggling. And there was this huge divide between players who loved him and players who hated him. Right. And I feel like that's often a thing with NHL coaches where it's like, the system works for some players and not for others. And I don't understand why you can't just play two different systems. Like, why don't you say, okay, you know, this line is going to use these strategies or whatever, right? And then this line is going to do more of like dumping and chasing and, you know, a a more defensive style. Like, I know that's complicated to teach, especially if you want to switch the lines around. But like, I just feel like trying to fit every single player into the same system and like using exactly the same strategy for like deciding who's in the lineup and, you know, who, who gets more ice time. I mean, yeah, it, it would be kind of unfair to have different standards for different players, but I don't know. Like this just doesn't seem like it ever works. And it's a problem that I keep seeing with NHL coaches. I see what you mean. I think it makes sense to have some kind of coherent coaching style. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I I, I understand what you mean though, that Mm -hmm. like approaching player strengths and how they're motivated would be better. Mm -hmm. I think there's also a point to make that, the players are being treated differently. If a young player mm-hmm. is making mistakes, DJ Smith is not playing them. But yeah. when the vets make consistent mistakes, mm-hmm. they, they're still on the lineup every night. Like the, the players are definitely being treated differently. I'm wondering if maybe this is like on purpose, if he's trying to teach some kind of respect for the vets, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it makes for a really depressing hobby. <laughs> when all your vets are bad, it's so weird. Like, you know, if the Sens had held on to, like, Mark Stone, like, yeah, obviously you have to push Mark Stone out of a, out of a roster spot. Like, he's not giving up his roster spot because of one, you know, turnover in the, in the neutral zone. 
but like mm. <laughs> with like pocket what <laughs> it it doesn't make much sense to me like there's clearly different standards for different players so i don't know i on the other hand like what do i know about coaching <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess i know i just feel like you know, the NHL is always shuffling these same coaches and there's just not a lot of creativity. And I just, I think coaches need to try something new. I don't know. No, I, I think it, I think you have a point. I don't know from a coaching perspective, but I have like worked on education and I know from an education perspective, this is something mm-hmm. that like happens a lot where you know, kids are uniformly forced into a specific strategy when it mm-hmm. is possible to mix them up. I'm assuming that that would also apply to sports. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm not saying like a completely different strategy with each player. I just feel like trying to fit them all into this exact same world is not what's the most productive thing. I don't know. People coming, yeah, from, the co- pos- uh, people coming from the cost per point cast are going to be like, who are these idiots? <laughs> <laughs> Like, whoa, I think what the it's fuck an interesting. I think it's an interesting thought to explore personally. I I do think mm-hmm. you have a good point there. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Anyways, <laughs> after that sense tangent, let's go back to not Tony D'Angelo. We're done with him. Um. But other stuff that's happening in the NHL. Um. Obviously, the most important thing that we need to talk about right now is how much fun Gritty is having at Flyers games. Like. I oh, am my seeing, king. I do not follow a single hockey Tumblr account, and I keep seeing gritty all over my Tumblr dashboard. Like this, this character has done more to grow the game than anyone. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> done more to grow the game of hockey than Blastor. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say that yeah gritty okay gritty check please and puck bunny Tumblr accounts all three together have done more to grow the game than Gary Bettman, than <laughs> than literally anyone. <laughs> There's like so much. I think it's really fun that they're incorporating Gritty in these games. Like he's diving into a ball pit. He's, I um, I saw somebody quote tweet the like ball pit thing <laughs> with the Tumblr ball, the, um, the dash con ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my favorite was, was when Gritty wore lederhosen and was attached <laughs> to, like, strings. And then there was a guy up in the stands, like, further up, playing him like a marionette. <laughs> what? So and then he dropped the marionette why. strings and then Gritty <laughs> fell to the ground. Why is he wearing lederhosen? Yeah, and I, I remember seeing a tweet at one point that was like, if you're wondering how this game is going, Gritty is naked. And I saw that, and I was like, I don't know how the game is going. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that could so be going much. either way. <laughs> I think like, every mascot I don't know. He's got the- <laughs> Actually, I think that mascots should travel with their teams, and you need both mascots together at the arena. I just think that, in t- you know, like the... The in-house entertainment is like terror. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so having your mascot weird stuff and filming it and posting it online, it just makes the games more entertaining. It like I don't know. I guess it makes the pandemic hockey a little bit less depressing. It was so Philly's funny. just like <laughs> consistent in how Philly's so consistent in how 
good they are with Gritty. Like, how well they use their mascot. And, like, I- I'm also kind of astonished that, like, nobody has tried to copy that at all. Like, <laughs> nobody has looked at Gritty and gone, we could try to do that with our mascot. No, it's it- they're just like, that's Gritty. <laughs> that's what Gritty's like. It's Philadelphia culture. Yeah. Flyers culture. It's Gritty. We can't touch that. Which, to be fair, probably the right decision. No, I, I love it. We're all having a good time with Gritty, I think. Uh, we are. Um, Do you want to touch these, like, spice rumors? Okay, so, okay, this is just a rumor <laughs> that I saw, but, like, so recently there was a, a weird trade between the Blue Jackets and the Jets. Um, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois for um, Patrick Laine, and there were some other pieces there, but that was the big thing, which is wild, because that was, like, they were number two and number three. Like, people were saying this is, like, if the Sens traded Stutzla for Byfield in a few years, right? Like, it, it's so weird. And it's also two players who are, like, super unhappy in their environments going to, like, equally bad environments. <laughs> like, damn, imagine being, like, super eager to get out of Columbus and then they're like, oh, you can go to Winnipeg now. <laughs> um, and, like, oh, Patrick Liney, like, I... I feel so bad that he's going to be with Tortorella. Like that's, that's such a terrible fit. That's not going to go well. Anyways, there was a rumor going around and I got this from Greg Wyshynski. So if it is false, go, go after him. Cause he is spreading this false rumor. You know how the blue jackets have had like a COVID outbreak. Um, there's a rumor that Dubois might have gotten COVID from that. And that it might have happened because there were a bunch of MAGA guys on the team who were not taking COVID seriously. And that Dubois might have gotten it from them. And that was the last straw. Just a rumor. But that's interesting. It's, I don't a, know. Um, it's like, it's so fucked up that our rumors now are about like, how did this terrible disease and this global pandemic spread to this no. place? <laughs> But it does make sense. I'm like, does. And like, there's obviously a MAGA crowd on, well, probably every team, but like, Tortorella's. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, every team is sort of like mm-hmm. guilty of this. Mm-hmm. You know, hockey culture is sort of a breeding ground <laughs> for these bad. attitudes. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm like, never ever going to get over. Remember when Dougie Hamilton was traded? And everybody was like, uh, people on Dougie's team hate him because he always wants to go to, like, museums. I, want, I still want to go to a museum with Dougie Hamilton. But this is what I'm saying. Like, there's such ridiculous things that create, quote-unquote, problems within the locker room. And I wish that more often it was, like, the BLM-supporting guy punched Tony D'Angelo in the face. But more often than not, it's, like... <laughs> this guy doesn't want to go out to a bar he wants to go to museums or this guy was annoyed that he got COVID <laughs> it's really <Yeah>. depressing <laughs> mm-hmm. it is do you want to talk about something that's not depressing? absolutely Oh, okay so it is time for the mascot minute <laughs> as always if for whatever weird reason you're not into that you can skip ahead until the ad with shaking paws Sparty opened the gigantic envelope and unfolded the paper Hunter's handwriting was neat with an elegant slant. Dear Spartacat, we don't know each other well, so I've resisted contacting you for a while, but the urge runs deep. I had to bribe Carlton to give me your address. I was so desperate. The thought of you has consumed me these past weeks. I think about you day and night. 
It was easier not to contact you before quarantine when I could take long walks to clear my head, but now it feels impossible. Before I put pen to paper, I could not eat or sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about you or what I would say to you or how you would react. Spartacat, this may come as a surprise, but I have admired you from afar for years now. Your mane, your huge eyes, the way you hit the cowbell. At first, I thought it was just professional admiration, maybe even jealousy. I have come to realize that what I'm feeling is actually affection and desire. You have bewitched me, body and soul. I don't just want you, I want to know you. I want you to tell me about your dreams and fears, what makes you laugh. Tell me you're not interested and I will disappear from your life forever. But if you feel compelled, do write back to me. I would love nothing more. Yours, Hunter. (laughs) I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I felt really good writing this. (laughs) Um, What I probably cut out of that was me just absolutely losing it. (laughs) Like not being able to get through it. Um, true heads will recognize the uh, Pride and Prejudice quote. I appreciated that one. Yeah, it was a a good good touch. I was thinking today that I wanted to watch Pride and Prejudice again and I was having an emotional time and then I thought, you know who else is having an emotional time? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's timely because they're about to play the Oilers um, and probably lose 10-1, you know? (laughs) (laughs) god i'm so excited about them writing to each other (laughs) it really does open up a lot of possibilities for us yeah and i think it's a good way to have a romance during covid you know it is yeah you know how like period romances are like special because there's all this like yearning and you only see each other like three times a year Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. takes like ten thousand days to deliver a letter and we can finally have a little bit of that in our lives. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, anyways, with that out of the way, let's talk about the other big thing that we wanted to talk about in this episode, which is everything... Uh, there is so much happening in the NWHL right now. And yeah. there's a lot to talk about. Um, first of all, before we get into the weird stuff that is happening, the controversy, the reason I had to email my supervisor earlier today (laughs) explaining why I haven't been able to do work for the last week. Um, Let's talk about the actual NWHL games, which have been so much fun. Poppy and I have both gotten behind the Toronto Six, and I won't lie, Like, this is the most invested I've ever been in women's hockey. Like, I've been watching, I was watching the CWHL from, like, 2014 until they (laughs) obviously ended. Um, And, like, I I enjoyed watching the games, but I was never that invested in any of the teams um, because they tried too hard to be the female version of their NHL teams. Um, (laughs) But, like, 
I am actually so invested in the six. I love that after every win, they post videos of them just like absolutely losing it to Love Story by Taylor Swift. I love Michaela Grant-Mentis. She has been phenomenal. The games have been so much fun. Watching them on Twitch has been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. The the Twitch stream is such a fun setup. Mm-hmm. You have all the normal, obviously, you know, like you have the commentators, you're watching the game. One thing I love, first of all, is that they have no fake crowd noises. You're just listening to these women absolutely lose it on the bench. <laughs> 20, like the entire game is just so much better yelling from the bench. I also love that it's they have so their much cardboard fun. cutouts and the broadcast will always like pan to the cutouts and be like, time for the kiss cam. And they'll show like, yeah. you know, two Bruins <laughs> players, right? <laughs> Where they're like, it's you know, really let's, let's see all your dance moves. Um, they also had a cardboard cutout of like Bernie Sanders with the mittens and they put him on the Zamboni at some point. There's also a whole thing about the Zamboni. It's so much fun. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the like amazing thing about the Twitch stream, right? Like, you can sometimes have those like chat boxes in the NHL streams, but not like the official whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Twitch stream, it's really cool because the commentators are like actually reading what you're writing. Mm-hmm. People have been popping in and like um, giving away like memberships. Mm-hmm. So Steve Dangles come into Toronto Six Twitch streams a bunch of time and given away like memberships. Yeah, JT Brown. Um, too. JT Brown. Yeah, JT Brown gave a bunch away. And then in the first few games during the intermission, there was just like this like stop screen that just said like, we're in commercial break. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the stream was like, can we see the Zamboni? <laughs> and within, I swear to God, within like a day, the NWHL had set up like a special Zamboni cam. There's lighting, <laughs> there's music. And, like there's this grand entrance where like you know they, they turn to like the zamboni entrance and you see the guy coming out and he waves and you're like there he is it's so cute they're selling and merch with the zambonis who... there's a little emoji that you can use yeah it's it's wonderful it's so much fun and it has it adds so much to the fan engagement i really love it i think it's so much fun and like the other day i i never really write in the chat but sometimes i'll like read out where people are and they were like, yeah, so-and-so's here from Brazil. So-and-so's yeah. here from Germany. I was like, I'm in Germany. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. I, I've just been enjoying this so much. I've been enjoying the community. Um, it, it's such a fun, like, fan base as well. Everyone is just really enjoying it. And, like, honestly, as I said, I have been, like, interested in professional women's hockey since about 2014 after the Sochi Olympics. And, like, this is the first time where I've really felt like we're getting somewhere. Like, I, it, it's felt so stagnant for so long. It feels like you have to try so hard to seek it out. Like, when I, when I first tried to watch the CWHL, the only options for watching it was buying a package of, like, I think 10 games. And that was all that they, like, streamed. Um, and, you know, had to, like, drive out to, I think it was Brampton that I went to once, um, back, back when that team was in Brampton instead of Markham. And, like, you know, you, you'd go in there and there's, like, you know, 10, 20 people in the stands and that's it. And to go, to go from that to, like, you know, streaming games on, like, Periscope to this like it's it's so nice to see and this is honestly the first time this is the most confident i've ever felt about the future of women's hockey there are like streaming um they're, they're having deals with broadcast networks they're like getting big sponsorships like it it's been so exciting to just see this this amount of growth right away 
Yeah, 100%. The one thing that, like, would be really nice would be to have closed captions now on the stream. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, I think like, that's a huge thing. Twitch, too. Yeah. I think there's a, a difference between, like, the people who are coming in here who've been, in, who've been, like, women's hockey fans for a long time versus the people just trying to, like, just starting out. Because, like, for me, I, I didn't, like, that's also, like, my ableist, you know, able-bodied privilege and stuff is not noticing the lack of captions but for me it was just like the fact that they're on twitch is like wild and obviously there have never been there's never been captioning that's never been an option right and it's so it's very exciting to see like every every bit of every bit of progress and what we've also seen this week i think is that a lot of people are coming into the nwhl and coming into women's hockey and being like hmm you guys are running a very small operation and like there's <laughs> you know there's like um there's a lot that needs work. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, I'm not excusing any of it. I'm just kind of like, the standards have been so low for so long. And it's it's a good sign, I think, that people are coming in and being like, why don't you have captions, right? Like, why aren't you doing this? Yeah, 100%. I think a new viewership always brings in new ideas and new expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's a positive thing. And the more viewers there are and the more good deals there are, the more capable the NWHL is going to be to actually serve their fans in that way. But I've been really enjoying it. I'm pretty new to women's hockey. I've seen a few games, but I've never like followed a specific team. So this has been really, really fun. And I think just the setup of watching it on Twitch is just like so enjoyable. I, I think that was a really good deal for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying the people who are, like, commenting on the games as well. Mm -hmm. A bunch of really cool folks. It's been really entertaining to listen to them. Uh, a lot of the time it'll be, like, a woman and a man. Mm -hmm. And they're so knowledgeable. And I think it's something that Ian pointed out when he came on our podcast, that hearing a woman's voice on TV or um, on radio when you're listening to a hockey game or just somebody talking to hockey, it, like is a little bit jarring because you're so mm -hmm. not used to it and having that every single game I guess you could say well you should expect it because it's the NWHL but it still feels kind of novel it does <laughs> and yeah. it is really nice even just getting play-by-play -play for women's hockey games at all is like yeah that's new <laughs> it's um, really fun mm -hmm. I'm like loving it yeah it's it, it's been really great it's really nice to see like the all the progress that has been made and obviously you know there's so much more that needs to happen very soon but like again this is the first time where I felt like we're getting somewhere so um yeah, yeah and they did just announce a massive sponsorship um that they've said is like the biggest in NWHL history which is wild um I'm going to talk a little bit more about where I think that money should be going. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I'll say it. Like, I, I think that the the initial reaction when you see that they have a sponsorship of this size is that, you know, obviously it should go to player salaries. Um, and mm, yeah. obviously that makes sense. Women, that you know, these players should be able to make a living wage playing hockey. I do think a substantial amount of that should go towards hiring women of color in positions of power within this league. Um, yeah, because it is very obvious that a they need more staff behind the scenes, and b they desperately need women of color behind the scenes. So, yeah, one hundred percent agree with that. You make great points. Yeah, it's also important yeah. to note 
if you buy like a chassis or a jersey from a NWHL team, the um, a chunk of the proceeds from those sales go to the players, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So that's like a way that fans can, you know, support the players. You are right about the salary issue, though. Like one thousand percent, the mm-hmm. fact that these women are like working remotely and then playing hockey at that mm-hmm. level in the evening makes no sense. It's insane. So we definitely need to be working on that. But there's also definitely structural issues within the NWHL mm-hmm. that could be addressed with that kind of funding. And it's like I said, like they're they're getting all of this like this boom in in viewership, and people are pointing out these massive issues. And it's like you know, it, it's only a few people. It's, it's just a handful of people running things behind the scenes, and it, it becomes very very obvious very quickly that they need more people behind the scenes. And yeah, the salaries have always been an issue in women's hockey, and I really hope that like the money starts coming in soon. But also, I think like you know, it's a smart business decision to put a lot of that money towards the behind the scenes work because you're making the game more accessible you're doing anti-racist work you're attracting new fans right like that that makes sense again not saying that the players shouldn't get salary increases they should but like you know there are a lot of places where this this money should be going um yeah i think yeah. what we would love to see obviously is more big deals like this mm-hmm. i mean getting like the partnership with discover is huge they have like a partnership with dunkin donuts that was pretty mm-hmm. big um the viewership is obviously like skyrocketing and mm-hmm. as that happens there's more and more sponsors and i'm hoping that that kind of just like continues like feeding into mm-hmm. each other and the more you can invest in the league the more you can grow your viewership by like making cool shit happen to be fair to the nwhl though for the shoestring budget they're operating on they're giving us like everything you could ask for as a fan Mm-hmm. not everything that's not true <laughs> no, not everything I mean, we but just said like there's some issues but they're, they're giving, they're giving us, us a lot, a lot. It's, it's pretty nice um and again that might be a, a sign of our like privilege that we're able to enjoy this um but it has been really nice the one like an unfortunate thing that happened recently is that the riveters did have a covid outbreak and they had to withdraw um people have pointed out that it isn't a bubble um they they are allowing people to come in and out pretty quickly. There's no quarantine period. It's mm. concerning that they're putting their players at risk there. I don't love that. It's um, it it just kind of, I mean, it's the same thing with the NHL where like you feel really bad about it and you're like, oh, it, it pulls you out of it a little bit. Where it's harder to enjoy it when you're like, oh, there, there's a COVID outbreak, right? Like these yeah. players are being put at risk. Yeah, I guess it's more of a bubble than what the NHL is doing. To be Slight, slightly more yeah um because they are staying in one place like all the players are in lake placid mm-hmm. there's no traveling but i do agree like it's you know th- we could debate for hours about the morals of even having professional sports happening during the pandemic pandemic i just said pandemic <laughs> <laughs> anyway do you want to discuss <laughs> the thing Let's discuss the thing. Um, so, do you want me to lay the groundwork first, or do you want to just? Um, yeah, like, sure. You can talk about Barstool. What Barstool is? Yeah, for anyone who wasn't aware. Yeah, I think. Okay, so we were discussing back and forth whether or not we were going to do this. You know, like everybody knows about Barstool. Every time you talk about Barstool, they kind of like, you know, it attracts the stoolies. 
Um, but I'm also constantly seeing people being like, why is Barstool bad? And then people being like, just Google it. To be fair, as Beata's pointed out to me, even if you tell people why Barstool is bad, people don't always listen. <laughs> but I think for the sake of clarity and accessibility and making sure that everybody listening knows what we're talking about, I'm just going to do a quick rundown of just a few reasons why Barstool sucks. I'm calling this a decade of shit. A decade of stool, as you will. <laughs> right. Um, just for context, Dave Portnoy is the president of Barstool. Eric Canardini is the CEO of Barstool. They are the main people in this decade they of are. shit. So Barstool is a website slash blogging platform slash podcast net network that um, talks about sports, sometimes culture. They're, they're huge, like massive, make a ton of money. They're very much within like bro-y sports culture. So here's a decade of bad things that have happened. And again, these are just highlights. And there's some things that I just like literally didn't want to say on a podcast <laughs> so let's start that with bad, 2010 guys. it's that bad it's really bad um start with 2010 dave portney says i never condone rape but if you're a size six and you're wearing skinny jeans you kind of deserve to be raped right this blog post has been deleted but constantly brought up um, it also was one of the huge reasons why there were, like, protests because Barstool used to do these, like, big college, they called them blackout parties, that they toured, like, the U.S. with. And so especially, like, women's groups on campus were like, this is very worrying. This site is organizing parties that are specifically for getting drunk and it's specifically a platform that has made many misogynistic jokes and also talked about you know, excusing rape. Uh, in, two, in 2014, uh, Portnoy called Sam Podner, among other things, a slut and that she should sex it up and be slutty, slutty on air. Then they had a deal with ESPN, which was cancelled because of what he'd said about Sam Ponder, who works for ESPN. And he then sent his trolls after her. Laura Wagner for Deadspin reports on what's happening and he starts this massive campaign of harassing Laura Wagner incessantly on podcasts, on the radio, in blog posts. It's a, it's a theme. In 2016, Portnoy refers to Colin Kaepernick as looking like a terrorist. Um, and his like co-host on that fun show talks about how he thinks that Colin Kaepernick can't speak for black people everybody in that segment was white <laughs> um in 2017 okay so they brought in erica nardini basically to try and fix their image a little bit smooth it out make it look a little bit more pro professional in 2017 she does however say i don't think we change who we are what we stand for or how we do it i'm really proud of those things who they are, what they stand for, and how they do it has this entire time been extremely sexist, extremely racist, transphobic, homophobic, like all the things you don't want to be. In 2017, a prospective female employee who was given a contract tweeted it out, and it said in the contract, 
I understand and acknowledge that part of my job may be exposed to speech and conduct that explicitly relates to sex, sexual orientation, gender, national origin, religion, disability, and age. I expressly agree and represent that I do not object to being exposed to such speech and conduct and do not find it otherwise offensive or objectionable. This clause has, as per Boston Globe, been specifically used to avoid sexual harassment charges because you basically signed a thing saying that you can like listen to speech that is harassing you. Mm-hmm. In 2018, Dave Portnoy told his 20 year old employee that in five years her looks were going to deteriorate and so she couldn't be in front of the camera anymore. She came on and confronted him and then left in tears. When he addressed it again, he said he would not apologize. In 2018, one of their writers posted a blog post with a joke at the end that basically the punchline was uh, a racial slur. Uh, In 2018, Portnoy filmed one of his male employees in the shower without consent and posted it. 2019, multiple creators call out Barstool for using their content without credit or permission. Also 2019, Portnoy threatens to fire employees for union organizing on Twitter. He then had to delete the tweets because it's illegal to threaten your um, employees who are trying to unionize. And the culmination of all of this is in 2020, a Wall Street Journal reporter quotes uh, Erica Nardini as saying, we are a company that thrives on drama. I mean, she was wrong, was she? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like, it's like, if you are on like sports Twitter, and especially if you are a woman on sports Twitter, or you are a person who talks about sports culture on sports Twitter, you know very well that like what Barstool is known for is that if you say anything about Barstool, there this like cult will come for you. Like, <laughs> and it is wild. Yeah. Like I've been on the receiving end of a few of their like weird harassment campaigns. And like, I don't know how to like, describe to you how overwhelming and scary they are like it's it's a lot um yeah so it's bad i'm i'm gonna make a twitter thread just so people know i'm not speaking out of my mm-hmm. ass at like at this sorry at amelnik and live and one of the articles i'm going to be linking specifically interviews multiple women who have been like doxxed and harassed and then the writer who wrote said article had contacted Barstool for comment and Dave Portnoy actually, like, posted his personal phone number online. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, that's the kind of thing <laughs> the that fuck? they do. Like, also, if you write something criticizing Barstool, like, they will, like, dox you or, you know, sends their, like, Twitter mob after you. Like, it is absolutely insane the, like, what they do to bury these types of stories and to, like, specifically go after the people who write them. And, like, you know, Poppy just went through this whole list. It's not all of it. Like, it's, it's, oh no there's so much stuff and it's constant. And, like, I will say personally, I learned about Barstool through Barstool people harassing me. Like, that was my first like that was the first time I ever learned about that company. I didn't it didn't start with me reading an article and deciding to come after Barstool and they defended themselves. Like I think I I like said something mean about Patrick Kane and people were like Barstool isn't racist and I was like, "Look, <laughs> this is weird." <laughs> like I don't know what this has to do with Barstool, but you're not really selling me on your company right now. 
<laughs> it's a whole thing. I don't remember the whole well, thing. It was, it was a few years ago, up. but like, it was. Yeah, no, no. It was, um, this is what Barstool was like. Anyways, basically, um, on yeah, like right at the beginning of the NWHL bubble, right before it started, a few um, Riveters players, so NWHL players, went on Eric Nardini's podcast and a lot of people within the women's hockey community were quite upset about this. Um, and I think there was a combination of like people feeling betrayed. Cause I, I mean, a lot of the people in the women's hockey community have specifically been targeted by Barstool. Like, I think, I think everyone who has like, like they also go after people who say nice things about women's hockey. That's another reason I've been harassed by Barstool, yeah. right. For like liking women's hockey. Um, so a lot of people have had bad experiences with them. I suspect that was a bit more of a concern than what I would be more concerned about, which is the fact that Soroya Tinker is on the rink on the Riveters, um, and there's a lot of yeah. racism in that company. But I think there was a lot of concern, not just about the specific players, but about the idea of the NWHL publicly associating with Barstool, which seemed like a pretty legitimate possibility since the NWHL does have a pretty long and well-documented history of like white feminism. Um, yeah. So a lot of people were quite concerned about a potential kind of barstool NWHL punishment and, you know, talked about this on Twitter. I was one of those people who kind of like wasn't cool with it. Um, And then Erica Nardini, ultimate girl boss, ultimate supporter of women in sports. Yes, queen. We love this woman. Made a video (laughs) with her. It was the audio was her hyping up women's hockey because she is the number one supporter of women's hockey ever with a whole bunch yeah. of screenshots of tweets talking shit about barstool the usernames were still in there she it was clear that she had she had searched nwhl barstool um also yeah. some twitch numbers because you know we love to like dunk on the nwhl for having you know like bad viewership what an epic own um versus like you know the barstool numbers because barstool is a bigger barstool has way more twitter followers than the nwhl right like they're a bigger company than the well, yeah, is. um <laughs> that's not news right and basically the, the whole message was like these people specifically suck at promoting their league and they're trying to keep me away from their league when obviously a partnership with with barstool would do so much for this um and i was in that video too i i got like a little bit a little bit of hate not too much and yeah they just kind of went after a bunch of people and a lot of barstool people were like specifically calling out people who weren't even in the video, but who are like, you know, NWHL reporters and stuff. Um, There was this huge harassment campaign. Big, um, I guess, addition to this, it got worse, is Soroya Tinker quote tweeted it. She was the first player to do this and she did not have to do this. She quote tweeted Erica Nardini's tweets. Um, I don't have the exact tweet here, but it was something about, you know, we don't want to associate with an openly racist platform. Like, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, like, she did not, she was doing this to defend, like, white reporters and NWHL staffers. She didn't have to do this. I, like, I am so in awe of this woman. <laughs> um, I, I'm grateful and I'm worried about her because I, I wish she hadn't done that, honestly. Like, she didn't need to do it. A few um, NWHL players came to her defense, not enough. And the president of Barstool, Dave Portnoy, of course, went on his little uh, his little Twitter video the next day. And he was like, you know, complaining about, he was, 
yeah, complaining about how people who claim to support women in sports are going after Erica Nardini, the best women in sports. Oh my god, no hypocrisy. <laughs> um, and then specifically said that Soraya Tinker should go to jail for calling his company racist, which like I think um, it's nothing says I'm not racist, like saying that a black woman should go to jail for calling you racist. I think it's so cute. <laughs> the Bostel like basically did the work for us. First, Erica Nardini like picking out a bunch of literally women and women who've written about women's hockey for years and women who work for the NWHL and being like, look at these women who hate me, even though I have historically supported the NWHL more than anyone else. <laughs> and like just proving that she knows literally nobody associated mm-hmm. with. Uh, women's hockey reporting and people who literally work for the NWHL and then Dave Portnoy being like I'm not racist but I think this black woman should go to jail <laughs> like okay and the thing is these okay the the barstool cult <laughs> these people are so get so angry when you call barstool racist and like they're so like passionate about defending themselves and the barstool has just painted this narrative where they're like we are the real victims of the world because everyone is hell-bent on painting this picture of us as racist right everyone is spreading this false narrative it's so untrue and your solution to like people calling you racist is to go and like harass everyone who calls you racist like literally off the top of my head if you wanted I'm not saying this would make you not racist. If you wanted to prove your case better, change your like um, small businesses fund into a black owned businesses fund. Donate some money to Black Lives Matter. Stop making racist jokes. <laughs> like hire women of color in positions of power. I'm not saying any of this makes you not racist. I'm saying this would be a more, at least your case would be more convincing if you did some of this stuff instead of just harassing people. <laughs> it's like, it's insidious and I feel really bad for everybody who's been affected. I'm glad I'm not one of them. I think I would cry a lot. <laughs> but it's like I don't know. It's kind of just like peak comedy to watch all these like people being like I'm coming and I'm going to defend a woman. But the only woman I'm going to defend is Erica Nardini. And I think there's also like I mean, okay, so Beata wrote a really amazing piece for Fangirlish, mm-hmm. and again, like, you can find it on our Twitter. Um, so I don't want to, like, delve into the whole, like, thing about how insidious it is that Erica Nardini mm-hmm. is basically spinning feminist narrative to sort of protect herself, I guess, mm-hmm. from criticism. And also Barstool's using this to be like, we have a, we have a girl boss CEO! <laughs> we can't be misogynists <laughs> it's it's funny and like uh, okay it, it's obviously like I've had a rough week and way too much of it was spent like going through Dave Portnoy's Twitter and before if any Barstool people are listening to this you're I know you're gonna t- tweet me being like why are you so obsessed with Dave Portnoy I was waiting for him to make a video about me I was waiting for him to call me out directly or like I was trying to see which of my friends he was going to call out directly like this was like me being stressed out of my mind waiting for the harassment to come but like let me let me tell you this man 
fascinates me. Like, I swear he wakes up every day and he's like, whose life am I going to ruin today? And like every few hours, he just posts this video where he's just like, he's like a president just addressing the nation about the latest person to, you know, with an update on the latest person to talk shit about him online. And then he just like deploys the troops and they're all like standing there just waiting for his next update on who's talking shit about the great state of Barstool. (laughs) So that they can like go to war to defend Barstool. (laughs) It's such a weird thing thing and like it it rots your brain if you look at it for too (laughs) when when erica nardini made that video somebody on my timeline said like i'm so proud to be in a video naming enemies of the state and that's literally what it was like like dave portnoy just like goes on twitter.com to be like these are the enemies of the state (laughs) my children my friends go and defend barstool (laughs) it's it's deranged. It's kind of <laughs> impressive that their entire business model is to be, like, super annoying now. <laughs> like, that's all they have going for them. And it's frustrating at the same time, because, you know, all these people do is basically, like, manufacture drama and act mm-hmm. like jerks. If you defend yourself, though, you're obsessed with Barstool. Exactly. They can talk about you, but if you talk about Barstool, you are obsessed with them. You know how obsessed they are with me? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I tweeted tweeted about Barstool like once and then they came for me and then every other tweet they were like, (laughs) they were in my mentions like DMing me trying to, at one point a few years ago they found my Instagram too, right? Like they're tracking me down being like, why are you so obsessed with Barstool? (laughs) Like you're the one searching the name Barstool on Twitter. <laughs> I want to make us matching shirts. Mine's gonna say my podcast co-host was in the Barstool Girl Power video. And yours can say Barstool hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Enemy of the stool. Enemy of the Barstool State. <laughs> God. It's um I don't know, it's always it's always so flippant to say, you know, oh, to be a woman online. But sometimes it really is. I, I'm going to be a woman. <laughs> I'm allowed to make these jokes because they have put me through hell this past week. And all I can do is laugh. Like literally before this, this episode, before recording, Poppy was DMing me about like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put together all this evidence about like Barstool being bad. And I literally said, Poppy, we can say this stuff, but we can't devote any time to talking about it because like I will just start crying if we have to go serious all I have to do is all I have the mental capacity to do right now is make fun of Barstool (laughs) it's like a thing um so at the end of the video Erica Nardini was like I want to buy an NWHL team and everybody was like yikes and the NWHL was like we have no plans on you know officially affiliating with Barstool in any way. They did not name Barstool, but, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think there was another um, thing where somebody asked specifically about Barstool and they, they said no. Um, yeah, actually, I want to talk about the NWHL's response to this. Um, okay. Because, uh, well, okay. So Barstool, yeah, they made that video where they said that Soroya Tinker belongs in jail. Several of Soroya Tinker's teammates liked that tweet um, and then after all this happened, oh yeah, after after the NWHL said like, no, you're not buying a team, Erica Nardini was like, I'm going to start my league. And 
I had to unfollow many hockey players um, on all social medias because they followed the account for the Barstool Women's Hockey League. Um, we can talk about that later because <laughs> that's also like a funny thing. Um, but like, and yeah, then Dave Portnoy also made a video directly calling out like specifically about one reporter. Um, and the NWHL basically, they didn't say anything about the Soroya Tinker situation. And that is very, very disappointing to me. I know that it's a small team, but they put out an official statement after the original Erica Nardini video. They also put out an official statement after Marissa and Jemmy was called out specifically. Um, so when like white journalists and white staff members of the NWHL were directly called out, they put out a statement and they did not put out a statement when their player was directly targeted by Barstool. Um, and specifically, like, they specifically said that she should go to jail, which I think is ines- inexcusable. I think the the least you can do is talk to the players who supported this, um, you know, have conversations with these players and put out a public statement saying that you are not okay with that targeting of your player and that you are doing something to address it. And again, this is why we need women of color in the NWHL, because, like, it, it blows my mind that they didn't put out anything official about that. Yeah, I think that's, like, it's so disappointing. Um, as white women, as women in general, I think we, we're kind of, like, blind to some things. It's been easy for me to be like, oh, my God, the NWHL is so fun. The fan base is so much more welcoming. But I clearly have these, like, blind spots. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing how the NWHL handles it has made those blind spots a little bit more obvious. Mm-hmm. There's also amazing writers like Joshvina Shah has been mm-hmm. really good at like calling out what's happening. Yeah, there's we sort of know that there are conversations yeah. happening behind the scenes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Um, I was going to say if if there's one person to follow for like anti-racism in hockey, it's Joshvina Shah for sure. Yeah, what, she's amazing. I'm so excited to read her book. Like, yeah, yeah, same. I'm <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the reaction of the NWHL has been really telling in that. But we also know there are behind the scenes conversations happening and mm-hmm. that's sort of awkward. But, you know, there's stuff that's like kind of inexcusable. For example, after the Riveters had to leave the bubble, which, you know, I feel so bad for mm-hmm. Soroya Tinker. You know, first she's going through all this shit mm-hmm. and now she can't even play hockey um, because of the COVID outbreak. After it was announced, Kelly Babstock put out her statement. She's specifically been affiliated with Erica Nardini and with mm-hmm. that. She was Basketball. the one who went on the podcast, yeah. Yeah. And she, in her statement, was like, you know, I'm disappointed to be leaving the bubble, blah, blah, blah. And then specifically thanks Erica Nardini. Like after all of this has happened. <laughs> that to me, like, I don't understand how you let that happen and how you don't. And again, you need to put out some kind of, I know that there's, there's stuff happening behind the scenes, but you need to put out some kind of public statement about this. Um, and like, to me, I don't know how you keep Kelly Pepstock on the same team as Soroya Tinker after that. And I know that that's really, that's going to sound really extreme, but like, 
I I can't imagine what it's like for Soraya Tinker having to play with her when she's publicly aligning herself with Erica Nardini, when she likes, you know, when she like supports Dave Portnoy literally saying that Soraya Tinker belongs in jail. Like, yeah, I I am just very upset about this. And again, like I said, when NWHL staffers, reporters, fans, bloggers were being targeted, the NWHL was very quick to put out an official statement. And why couldn't they put out a statement for their player? Yeah, I I fully agree. It's been a really unfortunate mess. I would like to end slightly on a, a funny note, which is that obviously, like, Eric Nardini's like, I'm going to start my own hockey league which you know we we know that owning teams doesn't really make people money in the nhl we know that women's hockey makes very little money (laughs) and i don't know how much money eric and ardini has but it's not going to be a lot after this um i uh, i would to just brainstorm with you what do you expect from the bustle women's hockey league I, I'm thinking calendars, you know, sexy player calendars. <laughs> I'm thinking ring girls. They love ring girls. Mm. Um, but they'll have like girl boss t-shirts. Oh, oh yeah. Like it's basically everything that Barstool already does, but it says like girl boss on the pasties. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I mean, it's a spite league, right? Like it's created out of spite and. I honestly, I don't think that it's going to actually happen. I don't think it's going to go that far. Like, it's not. And if it does actually happen, I mean, (laughs) if you look at, like, the Barstool subreddit, which, again, I didn't... People are going to say that I'm upset with Barstool. (laughs) I was waiting. I was trying to see if they were harassing me. Like, it was an anxiety thing. (laughs) It wasn't like me being No, no. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I'm, like, having myself as someone who cares too much about Barstool. Anyways, if you look at their subreddits, like, they're all straight up saying that they're not going to watch women's hockey. They're like, oh, wait, you you actually want us to watch? No, we're not doing that. Um, I mean, literally, when Dave Portnoy was, like, emergency press conference which was not a press conference is him talking at his phone he does all the time those are his videos he's like emergency press conference and it's like a state of the nation being like here's here's your update on on who said mean things about me on on twitter.com but when he did that he was like i literally don't care about women's talking exactly and like all the people under erica nardini's tweet were like i don't give a shit about women's hockey but erica nardini has done more to grow the game than anyone else they're like women's and there's always like women's hockey sucks nobody will ever watch it your only hope is erica nardini and it's like okay but people are watching like you're just admitting that you don't want to watch women's hockey yeah my i swear to god i really really love women's hockey i totally watch it shut (laughs) <laughs> is <laughs> posing a lot of questions already answered by my sure. I really love women's hockey I totally watch it I'm also a I'm feminist totally. yeah yeah exactly I'm also not racist um, <laughs> just for all the people who were who were curious about that I, I um you know you have to laugh it's like I will say, you know, I was talking about how, you know, I feel so confident about women's hockey. I am so happy with the growth that has happened. Um, One thing that the NWHL has done 
really, really well that the CWHL never did. And that obviously the Barstool Hockey League, if it ever happens, isn't going uh, <laughs> to do. Um, is that they haven't been trying to chase that NHL audience. Um, like the CWHL, the reason I couldn't get into it was because every team except for the Brampton t- or Markham team, which wasn't very good, um, was like, very obviously trying to be like the female version of an NHL team that I hated. So like I cheered, I wanted to cheer for Marie-Philippe Poulain, but that meant cheering for Les Canadiens de Montréal, which like you hear the name, obviously I don't want to cheer for them. And it's hard to get invested in a team when I am physically repulsed by their jerseys. And every time their goal song plays, I want to commit a crime. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get into that. Whereas, <laughs> sorry, Bobby's laughing um and at the end of the thinking about you like like <laughs> i love marie philippe Poulain, but <laughs> this is not in that jersey marie philippe Poulain. i can't handle everything i i couldn't handle the i i, I cheered for that team despite not being able to handle the branding um because that as i have said on this podcast i'm not a fan of uh, les canadiens de montreal or les canadiens de montreal well okay i was kind of a fan of them if i still but... own my house jersey would you it? Dump me. <laughs> yes. Divorce. Um, um, but anyways, the NWHL, like, obviously the Boston team is really closely associated with the Bruins, but that's the only one. Like, everyone else has their own, like, different branding and their own team identity. And obviously, like, the the fan base that they've built up isn't necessarily a traditional hockey fan base. Like, it's a lot of people who, you know, came from Tumblr or something, right? Um, it's a very different demographic than the NHL fans, and it never feels like they're trying super hard to like attract those NHL fans and really relying on that, which is I think part of why the you know PWHPA is is happening and because they want an NHL affiliation, right? Um, but I think it's yeah. been a really smart move for the NWHL to distance themselves from that in that way. And I think that Barstool, like you know, saying telling Barstool to fuck off is like a part of that right it's saying like no we don't actually want that kind of audience because like you guys aren't going to be a reliable audience anyways um and I think that the the next step is they need to go really hard on anti-racism right now and they need to make sure that they are not you know alienating their black fans they are not you know gatekeeping hockey from black fans like I I think that that is the next step that they should be taking um yeah yeah the six as we said the six have been fun i was worried because i was like oh toronto um but like honestly the sense vibes are so strong like somebody I love them. in whl chat posted a meme that was like ottawa senators plus toronto maple leaves equals toronto six and i was like you know what <laughs> this is so true like they blew a 5-1 lead and then which is very leaves it wasn't 4-1 but it was 5-1 so <laughs> they blew a 5-1 oh. And then in the press conference afterwards, <laughs> Digit Murphy, the coach, goes, we are a team. <laughs> I love Digit Murphy, by the way. She's oh so Oh my god, she's, she's delightful. She's also joining in on their, like, dance parties. Like, Sense fans, if you are still on the fence about who to cheer for, like, I could not recommend the Toronto Six more strongly. If you are any kind of hockey fan who is trying to figure out an NWHL team to cheer for. I've heard the Buttes are pretty cool too, the Buffalo Buttes. Um, but honestly, highly, highly recommend the Toronto Six. Michaela Grant-Mentis is absolutely amazing. I love her. Um, they, 
yeah the post-game dance parties to love story by taylor swift like how could you not love this team digit murphy is delightful it's you know they're the underdog team because it's their first season their twitter account rules shout out to Alyssa turner for that one yeah it's it's wonderful like i i think i said on twitter oh, like, craig levels elite yeah. It's so funny. It's like so much fun. And I think especially the way they've been doing like blowing the 5-1 lead and then coming <laughs> back and like And they're on a tear right now too. Like they're doing Yeah, so they've well. won three games straight, right? Yeah. So and they've got another one tonight. The games right? that I couldn't watch. Mm-hmm. Every time they play when I cannot watch the games they win. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're they're good. I'm having like I'm more attached to this team than I've ever been to a, a women's hockey team. I like, I'm, I'm already looking up jerseys. I am so excited to like, yeah, get invested in this team. Sorry. It's- if you had that, like click, 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 click in the background, that was my dog shaking his big ears. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think like, this has been an exhausting week for you. <laughs> um, I would like to share a really overly personal story, which is that the way I found out about what was happening is I was I woke up very, very early to get an IUD inserted, which is extremely <laughs> painful. It is so painful. And the pain, so, like, it just keeps going. <laughs> the first few I've heard about pain. them, yeah. But the insertion itself is terrible so I went and I got my ID and they let me sit in a cool chair while I was waiting to get picked up because I had just been put through like the worst case mm-hmm. horrible I don't even want to talk about it and I opened twitter.com and everybody was like going insane about Barstool and about the NWHL mm-hmm. and I was like what is happening so I looked and I was like, oh my God, they're bullying Beata. <laughs> but then I didn't have any Wi-Fi at the doctor's practice. So I spent probably a solid hour in just like crampy agony making memes <laughs> about Bustle harassing my friend. Nice. <laughs> and and that that's it. Yeah, I thought it's... the most painful thing that day was going to be getting an IUD inserted, but the most painful thing that day was listening to Eric Nardini. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, it was it was it's been a weird week. Yeah, it's been a bad one. It's <laughs> been some funny stuff, you know. It would have been nice <laughs> if, like, you know, the Sens had like won a game or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, but the six game is a strike, so it's fine. Oh, that's true. That's true. Watching the Toronto Six was pretty fun. Um, Cheering for two hockey teams is good. Yeah, it is. It's it's very time consuming. However, that's what I have found. Um, wow, that thesis. Yeah, but... <laughs> not not too, oh, yeah. <laughs> not making too much progress on that right now. <laughs> oh um, dear. Anyways, um, there was no uh, debate between us about who gets bigger energy this week. I did not even run this by Poppy. I did not um, suggest this. I wrote it down and I knew that Poppy would be on board. Um, oh, immediately, yeah. Absolutely, 100%. No question about it. Big Rig Energy goes to Soroya Tinker. I have so much respect for this woman. I, like, 
with everything that has been thrown at her, I cannot believe that she continues to be this like fierce advocate for racial justice in women's hockey. I hate that she has to do it. Um, I, I wish that she had more support from her teammates. She had more support from the league, from the women's hockey community. Um, if you are looking for a jersey or a jersey to buy, this is a great choice. Um, even though I feel weird about asking you to give money to the Riveters, it's kind of, it's complicated. Um, anyways, like I, I am absolutely in awe of this woman and I feel so bad for what she's been put through. I am so angry at Barstool and Dave Portnoy for what they have put her through and at all of her teammates for not backing her. So, yeah. Yeah, Soraya Tinka rules. Yeah, She's also I a really do. good hockey player. She is, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed watching her. Um, I considered supporting the Riveters just because of her, and then, <laughs> nope. <laughs> that didn't happen. She's a great um, artist. Yeah, she Have is too. That? Yeah. She's, she, like, she can do it all, dude. Is there anything she can't do? I, again, like, am so I don't know. <laughs> in awe of this woman. Um, yeah. Yeah, so anyways. Yeah, this is a Soraya Tinka fan podcast. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, I love her so much. Anyways, yeah. Thank you for listening to this Amelnikin Life. You can find us on Twitter at Amelnikin Life. Our personal accounts are tagged there. You can also follow us there. Or you can email us at thisamelnikinlife at gmail.com. And we have our own music now <laughs> exciting thank you so much to Stefan Reinhold who wrote our intro and outro music and our logo is by Lena Novi and Angus Fitzgerald Clark for bonus content please find us at patreon.com slash life you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and of course it would be a huge help if you rate and review us on iTunes bye bye